0: The Borgia family can be summed up with a few choice words. Treachery, hedonism, scandal, and, oh right, a bulk supply of murder. For those who don't know, the Borgias were one of the most powerful families in Renaissance Italy, and they didn't gain their social clout from playing nice. From incestuous relationships to poison plots, the members of House Borgia made Game of Thrones look like child's play. Watch your back. On the season finale of Historical True Crime, we're discussing The Sopranos of the 16th Century, the scandalous, murderous Borgia family.
1: Hello and welcome to Yesterday's News, a podcast brought to you by Factinate.com. I am Veronica. I'm Dancy. And this season of the show was all about historical true crime. And wasn't it fun? We explored history's dark side through courtroom dramas, executions, disappearances, mysterious deaths, and much, much more. This week, as we close out this season on historical true crime, we are talking about the original crime family, the Borgias.
0: To me, I like the Borgias better than the Medici's. Like, they're often pitted against each other as, you know, who's the most infamous. But if you get into their histories, like, it's the Borgias. 100% (laughs) they had the wildest times. I'm
1: team Borgia just because I had a really formative crush on Jeremy Irons. And I know he (laughs) plays the slutty Pope, who I will discuss at length in this episode. He
0: is so hot he's still so hot and he's like 70 something oh my god jeremy Irish. he's what i call a perma hot he's yeah. the hotness that just keeps on hotting like he's
1: hotter than his son max you know another co-host might say that's a hot take but i know that's just true it's <laughs> just the he truth. is hotter than his son <laughs> and he's still hotter oh look god and genetics got it right the first time <laughs> You can't, you can't do better than perfection. Uh, I love, I love that we have so much thirst on this podcast, <laughs> yes. thirst and history. <laughs> okay, so we've got thirst. Let's do history. The Borgias. You've probably heard about them. How could you not? But just in case, I will give you a very quick rundown. So, the Borgias, God love them, were a historical soap opera and the OG crime family. Long story short, their dad was a fuckboy who landed the most peak irony job of all time. Even though he was a noted horn dog, he became the Pope. Mm hmm. That's, I mean, that's a dream. It's incredible. It's incredible. He became Pope Alexander VI, and this gave him a ton of power. So for the remainder of this episode, we're just going to call him Ho-Pope. And that's basically where the Borgia clan kicks off.
0: And yeah, I think maybe it's worth saying, like, there were a lot of Borgias, just like there were a lot of de' Medici's. Mm -hmm. But when people talk about the Borgias, what they really mean is this little nuclear family of Pope Alexander and his children the main ones that we're going to talk about and that are infamous in history are Giovanni, Cesar, Caesar, Caesar. 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 Um and perhaps the most famous, Lucrezia, his daughter Lucrezia. So that's the kind of tight-knit family unit and they all had their own very scandalous stories which we will get into. Oh, we
1: certainly will. We're going to talk about some very spicy, murdery true crimes, but in the backdrop of all of these crimes, is just general corruption, extortion,
0: bribery. This is how the Borgias got and kept their power. There's, as we'll see, there's so many rumors about them, and it's really hard to separate fact from fiction with them because... They were shady as fuck. They were! Like, maybe they didn't do something one time, but they probably employed that tactic another time, you know? No one knew. So they
1: were very power hungry, and they got their power through these shady dealings. And this meant that they had a lot of enemies, um, like Drake. I got enemies, got a lot of enemies, got now, a lot of Now one enemy to struck back at the Borgias by targeting Giovanni Borgia, who is one of the Borgia's sons. Let me paint the picture for you. On June 15th, 1497, Giovanni's horse returns home without Giovanni on top of it. Mmm, where's Giovanni? The pope puts out a search party. Which, in my notes, I've added, great show, by the way. Still haven't seen it. Really recommend. Great performances. The search party quickly finds Giovanni's lifeless body in the Tiber River. First thought, maybe this is a suicide? No, this is not a suicide. Mm -mm. Giovanni has been stabbed nine times. And, for good measure, just in case, insurance plan, his throat has been slit.
0: I just I love the picture of like a <laughs> renaissance corner coming, you know, with the very meager scientific methods they had and, and just being like, nope, yep, definitely a murder. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Someone really wanted
1: to make sure this guy was for sure dead. <laughs> So a very powerful man's powerful son, and Giovanni is the eldest son, so mm-hmm. this is a big target in Renaissance Rome.
0: Like, he's not very well known in, known in history because the dude got murdered, but he could have had a much more scandalous future ahead of him. He could have been a contender. He could have been a contender. Is that from Rocky. It's fr- it's from on the waterfront. <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> the same movie, really.
0: <laughs> it's also from Gilmore Girls. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, maybe
1: that's where I got it. Anyway, look. Okay. So his body has washed up on the river. This man has clearly been killed. So what could have happened? One original option is a garden variety mugging. Hmm. This one gets ruled out quickly because whoever attacked Giovanni Didn't touch his money. And there was a lot of money on this guy because, you know, rich. Mm -hmm. So option B, someone targeted Giovanni and really fucked him up.
0: And I mean, yeah, they have a lot of enemies. This seems very, very like the obvious answer to me. Someone is sending a huge message.
1: This is a murder. This is a hit. The question is, who did it? As Dancy said, they have a lot of enemies. So we actually do have a pool of suspects. It's not like they only ticked off one person. So Papa Borgia, the Hope, pope launches an investigation into his son's death. And then, plot twist, he just as suddenly calls the whole thing off. What? Yeah, why would he do that? And the reason is amazing. This is why they made a TV show about these people. People believe that Giovanni Borgia was killed by his own younger brother, this guy's name is Joffrey Borgia, and people think that Papa Borgia called off the investigation to protect his son, even though said son had just killed his other son.
0: But he's like, you know, this guy's alive. My other son's dead. So, you know, it's too late now. Let's be pragmatic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so like
1: drama is already at a 10, right? Mm-hmm. But it goes even higher when we think about, okay, well, fratricide, that's a big deal. Why did Joffrey do it if Joffrey did do it? And the reason is, people say that Giovanni had been having an affair with Joffrey's wife. So juicy! Amazing. So juicy. Love it. Also, side note, the Borgias were messy as fuck. People also said that the other Borgia brother, Cesare, was also having sex with Joffrey's wife. So this means that Joffrey's wife had three of these boys going. So slow clap it out to this woman. But anyway, who cares about her? We have covered our first Borgia murder Let's move to our second one. And this one involves the woman at the center of the Borgia clan. And that's Lucrezia.
0: Oh, yes. So this is what Lucrezia literally brought up in. (laughs) She's still a teenager and her brother has killed her other brother, most probably. Yeah. It's just a Tuesday for her. (laughs) Yeah. And she really is the most infamous Borgia, I think, for a reason. Um, Well, there are many reasons. A, she was a woman in the 16th century. She's going to get heaped with a lot of blame. And, you know, that's what's happened in history. She's been painted as this femme fatale figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, B, she was a badass. Like this woman, we can't even get into her the rest of her life kind of beyond the family entanglements, but she was very smart, very accomplished. And then C, her life was dramatic as hell. And um, men <laughs> kept getting murdered around her. <laughs> Great place to put my favorite clip. Don't Don't be suspicious. suspicious. (laughs) Don't don't be suspicious. (laughs) So this part of our tale starts when the teenage Lucrezia's parents decide she needs to get married to a man named Giovanni Sforza. So many Giovannis. There are so many Giovannis in this story. Now, this marriage to Sforza was political marriage to end all political marriages. Again, Lucrezia's father had just become Pope Alexander VI, and he thinks the Sforzas, who were a established family, um, would help him shore up his power. So he's just like, yep, I have a daughter. That's what daughters are for, <laughs> making <laughs> political allegiances. Here, Lucrezia, here you go. Here's your new husband. But immediately after the marriage, the Borgias decide, mm, actually, <laughs> we don't need this guy anymore. Uh, the, the Sforzas aren't that helpful to us. <laughs> which is uh really awkward and really messy because it's like well but they're but they're married now you just <laughs> you wa- married her to him just married them so now god the borgias have to take care of giovanni sforza so they can <laughs> marry lucrezia off to someone else who's gonna give them more power <laughs> yeah being a woman in the renaissance sucked <laughs> it wasn't the best. No. So first off, when I say they wanted to take care of Sforza, yes, I do mean they probably tried to murder him. <laughs> like They really tried. But according to most theories, Lucrezia's brother, Cesar, in a kind of anomalous good guy move, tipped her off about it and said, look, hey, mom and dad are going to try and kill your husband. And she told Sforza to get the hell out of Dodge, to leave Rome, to just go away. Your in-laws will try to kill you. You should skip town. Now, some people do say that that's actually not the story, and that Lucrezia also tried to help kill him, but it was unsuccessful. But that's, I think, smear campaign against Lucrezia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Agree. Either way, the Borgia's they they did try to probably kill this guy because that was the easiest route. And now that he fled, well, they've got to go the boring way and try to get an annulment. Because <laughs> they still womp are like, womp. I don't want, we don't want this guy a son-in-law. He's not helpful to us. Now, this annulment gets even more interesting.
1: Yeah, you know, like an annulment sounds like a letdown, but this one's pretty
0: fun. <laughs> yeah, because it's the Borgias, so of course, yeah, course. they, they do it dramatic. right. <laughs> so Sforza, for reasons I truly can't fathom. Um, still wants to be in the family and refuses to go peacefully into an annulment. Sir, like, like I, why? Just, yeah, quit while you're ahead, dude. <laughs> you do know they just had to kill you. <laughs> just take this and run. Um, so this created the world's most scandalous and long-lasting smear campaign from both sides, from the Borgias and from Sforza. Um, Sforza, who's really pissed now because he's like, no, I want to stay married to you, accuses Lucrezia of incest with her father, Pope Alexander. Hope The Pope. He claimed that the Pope kind of pushed them apart and pushed this annulment because he wanted to, quote, have the freedom to enjoy himself with his own daughter. Bleh. So that scorched earth to make that rumor up. And then when they finally do come to terms about the annulment, the way they have to do this is to insist that Sforza never consummated the marriage because he was impotent. He literally had to sign documents being like, I can't get it up. My dick doesn't work. Lequois is still a version,
1: <laughs> And it's my fault. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's me.
1: I have a little side note to add here. So this humiliating and iconic clause, I really love it. Uh, This is part of why some people think that Giovanni Sforza maybe killed Giovanni Borgia, the Borgia brother who washed up on the river. And this theory goes that Sforza arranged the attack to get back at the Borgias for saying that his dick didn't work. You know,
0: so there (laughs) can only be one Giovanni. (laughs) Just to let you know that this is another possibility. <laughs> anyway, back to dancing. <laughs> yeah, this is how ridiculous this world is. <laughs> um. So yeah, tough luck to Sforza. He's got to sign those documents and now everybody <laughs> thinks his dick doesn't work. But guys, guys, here's the rub. Here's the real scandalous upshot of this, at least as it concerns Lucrezia. During the drawn-out annulment proceedings, and they were really drawn out, Lucrezia goes into a convent, ostensibly to kind of wait for this all to blow over while her family organizes everything. Some people, (coughs) the Borgias enemies, (coughs) say that this convent trip was actually to hide a pregnancy. Scandal! And who was the father? Well, the father was not her husband, Sforza. Because, again, they're trying to say that they never consummated the marriage. <laughs> so oh, it must have been an affair. Yeah, an affair while well, she's out there telling the courts that she's a virgin. Like, the enemies are just going buck wild. These naysayers believed that Lucrezia was actually getting it on with a man named Pedro Calderon, who was her father's chamberlain.
1: Honestly, I'm just grateful his name is Pedro, not Giovanni. Oh, thank God. Thank you, sir.
0: Unfortunately for our friend Pedro. Just months later, Pedro and a maid were found in our favorite river, the Tiber River, stone dead. Well, 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 that is convenient. What? Did you know Pedro? So that's right, like, Number one, Lucrezia goes <laughs> to a convent, disappears for a while, rumors that she's having this affair with this guy, and then guy ends up dead in the river. Yeah, if that just happened. That's a hell of a coincidence. Mm-hmm. And here's the biggest twist. People are saying Lucrezia's pregnant. Well, then where's the baby? hmm The most damning part of all of this is there was a baby born into the Borgia household around this time. It's a, a child historians call the Infans Romanus, uh, probably because his name was also Giovanni. <laughs> Good God!
1: <laughs> Stop it! I know it, we've made Giovanni. this joke a million times, but history, like, just diversify. <laughs> Get a baby name book, please, God. Yes, for my sake, go. Okay, yeah, go let's go just call him the Infans
0: Romanus because I can't handle another Giovanni yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, even historians are like, enough, enough, enough. The Infans Romanus. So the the parentage of the Infans Romanus is suspect as well. So the timing's right. And then we also have like documentary evidence that doesn't line up very well. One papal bull said the Infants was Caesar's illegitimate son. And a second papal bull, another one, said that he was Pope Alexander's, so the whole popes.
1: Yeah, and what's important about a papal bull, like, this means that the Pope is the one issuing these declarations, which means it is the whole Pope, Papa Borgia, Pope Alexander, who's going like, oh, yeah, that kid is my son's son. And then he's like, oh, no, no, wait, no, he's my I'm son. Mine, it's like, mine. Like, like, you
0: have the power to craft the narrative. Why are you doing such a bad yeah, job? Of get it? your story straight, Borgias. I mean, like, but either way, someone's pulling strings there. Well, the whole Pope's pulling strings there to keep some part of this story obscured. Of course, in these papal bowls, Lucrezia isn't even mentioned. But then she wouldn't be, would she? No, she's a virgin, Dancy. <laughs> she is a virgin. <laughs> it's wild. It's wild. So this is all wrapped up in the beginnings of Lucrezia's infamy. We've got, you know, this husband that nearly dies and then has to say his dick doesn't work. And then <laughs> she's having an affair and maybe there's a secret baby. Like, it's all setting the stage. And by the way, this happens like when she's still a teenager.
1: this poor girl
0: and like this is just the beginning
1: it is here's i think the marquee attraction of the lucrezia borgia story when it comes to historical true crime lucrezia gets remarried barely one year after this disaster annulment situation
0: i mean like that's what they wanted all along (laughs) just wanted to shuffle her off
1: exactly we want someone more high-powered and they i think they do get him. She marries a man named Alfonso of Aragon, and he is the illegitimate son of the king of Naples. You know, the Borgias are not royalty, so getting an illegitimate son is pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Now, this was a much happier marriage, but like, lol, of course it ends horrifically. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Lucrezia's dad decides to team up with France and invade Naples. Naples being the place where Lucrezia's new husband's family lives. Why? I don't understand this man's motives for, like, the things that he does. He keeps doing it. She gets married to a guy, and then he's like, eh, I'm gonna just betray them. It's like, sir. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, TLDR, Papa Borgia, is betraying his brand new son-in-law that he ostensibly, like, took great pains to arrange the marriage. I don't know why. I don't think he's a planner.
0: (laughs) He's he's chaotic evil.
1: Yes, he totally is. We should make a Borgia character alignment chart. I'm going to do that on Insta. Stay tuned. Watch this space. (laughs) (laughs) So Alfonso sees the writing on the wall. He's like, all right, peace. I'm leaving. He skips town. Papa Borgia, a.k.a. Hope Hope, he hunts Alfonso down, but he can't find him for like months at a time. But eventually he does track him down by intercepting secret letters between his own daughter Lucrezia and her husband. So like 10 out of 10 parenting in this family, he's reading his daughter's mail to her estranged husband, who, by the way, Lucrezia does genuinely like. This is a pretty good marriage. Oh my God. It's a mess.
0: Dad, stop trying to kill my boyfriend.
1: Oh, but wait. Pope Borgia then forces Lucrezia to manipulate her letters and lure Alfonso back to Rome. Oh, Yeah, yeah, not great. So Alfonso takes the bait, he comes back, and then, record scratch, Papa Borgia's like, oh, you're back, great to see you, all that other stuff, water under the bridge, my guy. <laughs> and then he just sits back and lets Alfonso and Lucrezia welcome their baby son, enjoy nice newlywed times. And, I mean, listeners probably know this is just the calm before a shitstorm. It's like he's, like, fattening the pig for the slaughter. So this bliss does not last. Soon after Alfonso returns, he goes out for a walk, innocent enough. At some point during this walk, he's like, Hey, I'm in Italy. It's the Renaissance. I'll go to the Vatican.
0: (laughs) Nice
1: little tourist walk. Yeah. As as we even do to this day. <laughs> Alfonso walks up the steps that lead to the Vatican. And as he reaches the top, who should he meet but a super chill, not at all scary group of cloaked men?
0: Hmm, fellow tourists.
1: <laughs> Hello. <laughs> fellow tourists <laughs> hiding their facial features, yes. <laughs> Yeah, these guys immediately pounce on Alfonso. They stab him all over. They try oh, to abduct the him. The stabbing, man. The stabbing. I mean, they didn't have guns. It makes sense. Yeah. What
0: else could you do? Well, <laughs> no, you could strangle.
1: That's true. Well, they do try to abduct him. So maybe they have other plans. But they don't manage to because Alfonso's so fancy. He kind of travels with an entourage. So his men manage to intervene in the fight. They extract Alfonso, who's fucked up but alive. And they get him back to where he lives with Lucrezia, Hopefully to recover. L O L O L O L. Guess if that works. <laughs> Lucrezia's trying her best to keep men away from her husband because she knows someone's tried to kill him once. They're not going to stop, mm-hmm. so she's like controlling his food, controlling his visitors. But somehow, a guy named Michelotto Corella gets in. He leads a
0: group of men. Into Alfonso's room. I mean, this is this is where it gets totally like Godfathery, right? Yes, like, uh, I'm going to visit your hospital bed with some uh, flowers, and then I'll give you.
1: <laughs> yes, I mean, like no stereotyping. Italy is a multifaceted place, but just the mob, Soprano's Godfather vibes happening in the Porsche family. It's it's a lot. There's a tradition. There's a tradition. An honored <laughs> cultural tradition. <laughs> so yeah, this guy. Bursts into the room, he's got a bunch of people with him, and as Dancy said, you know, strangulation is an option. They go for this on round two. They strangle Alfonso. Good choice, boys. So R.I.P. Alfonso, Lucretia's husband, is dead. But wait, um, who the fuck is Michelotto Corella? Like, who's this guy? <laughs> Why is he killing Alfonso? Now, he's an assassin. He has no personal skin in this game. It's pretty clear he's been hired. But who hired him? Who wants to bump off Lucrezia's husband? Hmm. Fringe theories say it was the Orsini's, another rival Italian family characterized by mess. Or it was maybe Alfonso's own evil uncle. Great trope, love an evil uncle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But most people think the call was coming from inside the house. People think it was Cesare Borgia, the brother of Lucrezia Borgia.
0: Oh, my God. This family, stop killing each other. They never will. <laughs> <laughs> it is their bonding
1: activity. <laughs> so, why? Why would Cesaire kill his brother in law? Here is the deal Cesaire was allies with Alfonso's enemies, the French. And um, very unsubtly, Cesaire was also like BFF with Michelotto Corella, the assassin. Mm, yeah, that's not smart, sir. So maybe hire someone you don't personally know. Yeah, yeah. Also, Cesare was not a subtle man. He seemed to take credit for, you know, all the stabs at the Vatican. He allegedly whispered to Alfonso that, quote, what didn't happen at lunch could still happen at dinner. Side note, this guy's threats suck. He really has yeah. to work on this because that's a terrible threat. Does but the point sense? is like, okay, I didn't get you the first time, but I'll be back. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It's a bad threat.
0: <laughs> I'll be back. That's way better, bud. Use that.
1: <laughs> I don't know why he had to make it about dinner, but okay. Anyway.
0: Yeah, like lunch and dinner are nice things that but... <sighs> don't, I don't, I don't know. lunch and dinner for me, bud.
1: I remember, like, getting really excited about this, because it's such a great historical murder, and then reading that threat from Cesare, I was like, wah, you wah, ruined wah. it. This
0: sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you ruined everything, Caesar.
1: Yeah, fuck off, Cesare.
0: Boo, you whore.
1: Okay, so, this whole mess leads to one of the most infamous Borgia family rumors, which Dancy touched on a little earlier. The rumor goes that the whole family was super incestuous, that Lucrezia was sleeping with her father, and this, Cesare's interference with her marriage also led people to say that Cesare killed Alfonso because he was super jealous that he got to marry his sister when Cesare was, like, hopelessly in love with her and they were, you know, bumping mm-hmm. uglies.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dancy, was this true? Uh, it sounds pretty far-fetched to me. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but it has remained with them. Like, mm-hmm. Lucrezia's first husband, like, really put it out there that it was an incestuous family. So this just sort of, like, lends more evidence to, like, if it's not with the father, then it's with the brother, you know. The Borgias have carried that legacy with them into the 21st century. I don't really believe they were incestuous, but I do believe they killed each other a lot. So, I don't know where the moral line is between, like, not killing your brother and then also not sleeping with him. Like, who who knows? This is a fair extrapolation. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: That cousin of yours is a hell of a girl. It's too bad you can't date her. Wait, you wouldn't have a problem with
0: that? Let's move on to our final Borgia crime. And this really is the final one in the sense that it brings down the patriarch. This is the horrific end of Pope Alexander VI, a.k.a. the Hope pope
1: <laughs> uh, R.I.P. Hope pope We loved you.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, the Borgias' family lives were filled with, like, unbelievable drama, murder, foul play, like, so much more than we could even get into here. It's, like, incredible. This is
1: just a highlight reel. <laughs> yeah.
0: So it honestly is really fitting that Pope Alexander VI met an equally gruesome and suspicious death. And when I say gruesome, it was very gruesome. <laughs> I'm so excited to hear you tell this. (laughs) (laughs) So it all started one summer, August 1503. Pope Alexander and his son Cesar visited one of their frenemies, a man named Cardinal Adriano Castellesi. Just a few days after, both Cesar and the Pope are deathly ill with fever. Hmm. And attendants were really desperate to save them both. They tried so much stuff that there's this quote about how Cesar looked. Um, they talk about him, quote, in bed, his skin peeling and his face suffused to a violet color. Mm. Like th- and, and that was from the treatment. So you can imagine what the what the sickness looked like. I love the
1: Renaissance because you never know, like, okay, is this side effect from the attack or <laughs> the
0: <laughs> stupid and dangerous yeah. ways you're trying to help this person? <laughs> does this look like a man who's being saved (laughs) but despite all this cesar actually does survive this bout of illness Mm -hmm. but pope alexander at this time is 72 years old he doesn't stand a chance on august 18th pope alexander the whole pope dies after basically a week in agony he confesses his sins right before, which nobody knows, because it's, you know, a private confession. But damn, I would love to be a fly on that wall. There's lots of accounts that he was very repentant at that time. So you really got to wonder what kind of secrets he was feeding that priest. Although also,
1: this is a really funny late game shift. He spends his whole life being terrible. And then right at the end, of like, I'm sorry, God. <laughs> it just seems so half-hearted. See, I feel like
0: that's the whole point of being Catholic. hot takes with (laughs) dancy um sorry to catholics i did grow up catholic so we don't know what he confessed but what we do know is that the body he left behind was chilling i can't get some of these images out of my head and now i'm gonna put them on you yay after he dies they announce his death and according to tradition the pope's body is exhibited to the people Only this time they have to cover Pope Alexander with a tapestry because of how bad he looks and how fast decomposition has set in. Like no one wants to go near him, let alone touch him, even in reverence, right? Usually you'd be like kissing hands, kissing feet. No, everyone's like, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. There are some quotes here that, okay, I'll just let them speak for themselves. The Venetian ambassador, his account of this was that the body was, quote, the ugliest, most monstrous, and horrible dead body that was ever seen without any form of likeness or humanity. Oh, okay, okay. Pretty bad. And then a man named Raphael Volterrano describes kind of the, the scene as a whole. He says, quote, It was a revolting scene to look at that deformed, blackened corpse – prodigiously swelled, and exhaling an infectious smell. His lips and nose were covered with brown drivel. His mouth was opened very widely, and his tongue inflated by poison. Hmm. Poison? Poison, you say? Poison? Now, yes. This is one of the quotations that got people's ears pricked up. Like, okay, yeah. Here he is. You know, he is 72 years old, but he's him and his son are both taken with this intense illness, and then his body starts decomposing really quickly. Like, what's going on? Yeah, like this doesn't sound like your average stomach flu. Mm-hmm. And given the Borges' reputation, this guy Raphael wasn't the first one to have this thought. All eyes after this went to Cardinal Adriano, the man that Cesar and Alexander had dined with just days before, and they thought, okay, this guy's a friend of me, like maybe he took the chance to try to off them both. Seems reasonable to me. I will say one thing. If poison was involved, the most likely explanation for it actually isn't what you think. Another plot twist, am I right? According to one theory, the Cardinal Adriano didn't poison Alexander at all. In fact, In a common theme in this episode, many people blame César. The call keeps coming from inside the house. (laughs) Yes. They claim that César actually accidentally poisoned his father with an infamous trademark Borgia Cantarella, which was um, a powdery poison they were said to sprinkle in wine or food. That César had meant to poison the cardinal, and then it got cross-contaminated, and then they both ended up sick. Whoops. Sorry, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Whoopsies. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Then again, there is another option. Poison, I would love to believe it. But... It was probably malaria. Good old malaria. Rome, in case you didn't know, was rampant with malaria at this time, especially in the summers. And like actually for a long while after. You read this in a lot of literature. Like you don't go to Rome in the summers for like a 200 year (laughs) period because malaria is going to get you. They called it bad air back then, but same difference. And people noted that it was felling Romans like left, right and center when Alexander died. So... That's the one that I tend to believe here. Although, again, I'd love to blame Cesar for everything. Didn't seem like a great dude.
1: I have a question. If it's malaria, is there any correlation between malaria
0: and a really fucked up corpse? Um, Yeah, when it comes to explaining the decomposition of the corpse, a lot of people say that it was actually like really normal because it was the summer. Mm. It was the heat of summer. It was just that was what was happening. Nothing untoward.
1: Okay. Now that I've heard your quotes from people who saw the body, I know this is apocryphal, like it's not legit, but the body was so messed up that people over the years simplified its grossness into saying that the Pope's body was so decomposed that he was poured into his coffin.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that is what I cannot stop thinking about. I know. It's like, it's so much... Whatever the reason behind the death, like, it's an actual fact that that was a disgusting view. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really rough. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, whether or not Pope Alexander VI died a Borgia-style death of poison, uh, the MacDaddy Daddy Borgia certainly did leave a legacy. Uh, I love this, and I do think it is like the perfect um, cherry on top. One of Alexander's later successors as Pope, Julius II, said on the day of his election, quote, I will not live in the same rooms as the Borgias lived. He referring to the hope hope he desecrated the holy church as none before and honestly that's saying something but it's not untrue <laughs> not
1: untrue not untrue i think that's a fitting end for this borgia saga they desecrated mm-hmm. the church as none before <laughs> and that's its own kind of achievement guys yeah mm-hmm. Thanks for listening to Yesterday's News, a podcast brought to you by Factinate.com. If you want to see my dumb history memes on social media, you can give us a follow on Instagram at Yesterday's News Podcast. We're also on Twitter at FactinatePod. And we have a new Facebook group where you can chat history with us and other fans of the show. You just search Yesterday's News Podcast and join. You can also get in touch by emailing us at yesterdaysnews at factinate.com. And that's the end of our season on historical true crime. Don't let the bland textbooks fool you. History was the original true crime documentary.